Today's podcast is brought to you by Isoway Sports, the sports range for athletes looking for supplements that are free from all artificial colours, flavours, sweeteners and added fructose. Intense physical training programs place significantly higher nutritional demands on sports people, and Isoway Sports are committed to providing pure nutritional ingredients that are truly complementary to a healthy, active lifestyle. You can visit isoasports.com.au for more information. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. And with me on the line today, all the way from Queensland, is Dr Amy Steele, who is a naturopath of over 15 years' experience with a PhD in health services research. Now, she was looking at the role of naturopathy within maternity care in the Australian healthcare system, a very important thing to investigate. Amy's been involved in naturopathy in a variety of capacities, including clinical practice, industry, policy development and research and academic activities. Amy is currently the chair of ARONA, supporting statutory registration of naturopathy in Australia. Welcome, Dr Amy Steele. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. (laughs) So, Amy, given your wide variety of activities within the naturopathy industry and profession, what would you say are the major challenges facing naturopathy in Australia at this point in time? Well, there's a few different areas that I think are... potentially causing problems for the development and advancement of naturopathic practice. One big area is this issue which I call co-option and appropriation. So this is where what is what naturopathy actually is, is being picked up by really anyone who wants to practice what is loosely defined as natural medicine. So naturopathy has had a, a hundred years of practice in Australia and has core defined philosophies that underpin practice and the approach to practice. But what it has become in more recent years, particularly in the last 30 to 40 years, is an area where basically anyone who um, wants to practice anything within the vast field of natural medicine, irrelevant of whether they're following naturopathic philosophy or not, is calling themselves a naturopath, mm. uh, which is go, which is antithesis to the the World Health Organization definition of naturopathy and the World Naturopathic Federation definition of naturopathy. So, so there's good definitions out there of naturopathy with the World Health Organization. I didn't know this. Absolutely. So, um, the World Health Organization actually worked on a core document um, around naturopathic medicine. It had its own history, which was not, and it's not the strongest document because at the time we didn't have an international body. Mm. Uh, we hope the World Naturopathic Federation has since formed, and they've run, just recently done a survey involving 18 different countries where naturopathy is practiced. Yep. And there's 95% consensus about the definition of naturopathy across those, those 17 to 18 countries. So that strength of across the globe of what naturopathy is is outside of just Australia. And um, But unfortunately, the lack of definition within Australia, we don't have anyone who's clearly staying up and saying, this is what naturopathy is. We don't have enough of that, particularly for those outside of the profession. So I often have MRs by government representatives we're not really sure what a naturopath is. So how do we know what they can do or who we should send to them or what we should do with them? Yeah. We just, we, that lack of definition goes hand in hand with the co-option and the appropriation. And those, those, they're two areas that are 
causing major issues. Yeah. So my understanding of it was that, um, you know, you you talk about naturopaths don't necessarily know what they are. My um, way of looking at it was that naturopaths don't know what they are not. Well, potentially. I think that one of the problems actually is that natural medicine is, the definition of that broader catch-all group of natural medicine is become more of defining themselves by what they are not mm. um, and less of a focus on defining themselves by what they are. Mm-hmm. And so what we've really focused on with Arona is is developing that a core fo- definition of, of what naturopathy is, what it means to be a naturopath, what, how, what you need to be competent in to be able to be, to be calling yourself a naturopath. And um, we haven't had that documentation and that, that clear detail to be able to hand over to other health professions and to government and so that they are aware of – it's very hard to plot the role that we as a health profession have within a health system yeah. if we can't even tell people who we are and what we do. Yeah. It, it, it becomes incredibly difficult. and so There's never any way to put us anywhere and to understand how we could possibly work with other health professionals to do that. Okay, so what needs to happen to overcome these challenges then? Well, I guess the um, one thing that because I mean, there's probably the third challenge as well is we we lack professional unity, mm. um, and so we've got disagreement over standards across different associations, and 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 in, but ironically, by um, if we can overcome those issues, we'll probably find that the associations have got more in common than they actually hold different in a lot of areas. So I think the solution really, if there's going to be a lot of pieces that have to fit into the puzzle, but a key foundation is statutory registration. And it's not to say that statutory registration is a cure-all. It's certainly not intended to be so. There are a number of other issues that we face within our, our profession that we would also need to address, but it is a really good, strong start as it will clear away a lot of the um, outside issues and allow us to address some remaining um fundamental factors that'll be a part of that as well. What does statutory registration mean though, Amy? Well, this is something that often causes a lot of confusion for practitioners because uh, what it actually means in Australia is that the title of naturopath is protected and that only people who fulfil certain education and practice standards can use that title. Mm. And this is a really quite important. And so, and, and in doing that, and once they are registered, then they are held accountable and held to certain standards upon, upon which they may practice. Now, it's also important to realise that these standards, they shouldn't be confused with protocols for treatment. This is not to say that you'll be told if some patient comes in with depression, you must prescribe them St. John's Wort and you must do this and you must do that. It's not about that. There are more standards they're defined by the profession and they're more uh, about how to approach care, that you'll provide individualised care that is safe and um, considerate of the patient's you know, place in life and yeah. all of those kinds of things. They're the sort of standards that we're talking about. It's more defining and describing exactly how a naturopath approaches treatment yep. rather than what they specifically do for a patient. What does it not mean, though? Well, from that point of view, um, it... I guess it, it doesn't mean it defines scope, as I said. It does, but also there's a lot of other things that, that statutory registration doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it gives, will give us guaranteed access to Medicare. And that in itself is, is, uh, 
could be a double-edged sword. You know, it would be great to be able to provide um, public-funded care to lower-income uh, communities. Mm-hmm. But the flip side, of course, is then you're tied into a lot of the, the restrictions that, that GPs and people like that act in under. So that, that's not to say that there'll be government-funded works for naturopaths, assuming there's registration. It also doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to start getting higher referral rates from um, general practitioners or, or other health professionals to naturopaths. Having said that, the other three CAM professions, osteopathy, chiropractic and um, PCM, Yep. in Australia that are registered. Yep. Since registration has come in place, their referral rates have gone up. And I'd say what's happening there is that whilst there is going to be a group, always be a group of stalwart doctors who will insist that they would never refer to a naturopath, there are going to be a group in the middle who probably are a bit ambivalent and would, don't really mind if their patient goes to a naturopath, but are uncertain about the ability to ensure safety and, yep. and um, accountability for good care should that happen. And, and if they refer to an unregistered profession practitioner, they can actually, and something goes wrong, they can be um, made liable for providing inappropriate care by giving that referral. So by having a registration body in place looking after naturopaths, and those, that sort of release the onus from them to make sure that the practitioner is safe to begin with. And so from that point of view, it is possible there's higher referrals, but it's not guaranteed. Uh, it also means that... Um, the, it may not mean that there's increased support from the medical community necessarily, but as I said, it may actually provide that ability for the ambivalent practitioners who don't necessarily support naturopathy but also aren't particularly against it to be able to work with naturopaths more appropriately and effectively. So, um, so to me, it's yeah. it's it's like uh, practitioners that do enjoy that that mm-hmm. protection of registration. Mm-hmm. Um, can know that naturopaths are both safe and accountable for their actions. That's correct, absolutely. And it also is also true for the case of for naturopaths, it means that the majority of incidents, the vast majority, in fact, of incidents that have resulted in naturopaths, mm. and I use that term, you know, in carefully. The, in the current landscape, um, yeah. <laughs> in the current situation, um, causing damage to um, the public in some way, you know, affecting ill harm. Those practitioners have, without a doubt, Almost every incidence has been related to a practitioner who would not have been accepted into a registration program, whether yeah. they had a previous criminal background, whether they weren't appropriately qualified, um, whether they'd already had an incident in the past that had, um, would have had them under restricted practice, all those sorts of things. If we had registration, then that would be less of a problem. And so one of the issues that we're having is that some of the bad reputation that naturopaths have in the community community it's not the naturopaths that are doing it. It's the people who aren't naturopaths. But are calling are themselves using the naturopaths. the title of naturopaths. That's right. And, and mm-hmm. to me, this is the crux of the matter is um, there seems to be this real argument as, you know, do we want registration or not? And my coming from a nursing background, my, my stance is why would you not want registration when you want protection of your title? It's the, it's the mm. only way because right now, the people who are actually causing your damage to your name are the people that aren't like, quote, unquote, you, How, but they're allowed That's to call right. yourself you, you know? <laughs> so it's kind yeah. of like an imposter sort of thing. How do you stop an imposter? Well, you, you take out the uh, – you, you make them identifiable. 
That's right, that's right. And so what we have at the moment, because as a brand, naturopath is quite a strong brand in Australia compared to the United Kingdom, for example, where people know of a herbalist or a homeopath, but naturopath is not as well known mm. as, as, a, as a profession. And so, but, you know, people have heard of naturopaths in Australia. And so you have a lot of people who trade on that brand, who have done a couple of courses here and there, um, you know, picked up a few things, but haven't had the foundational core training that is expected of a naturopath. Uh, and they are, um, but they're, they're able to hang out a shingle, call themselves a naturopath, and the public are not able to tell the difference. Yes. And so they'll they'll come in with high risk cases, with vo- vulnerable populations, complex um, situations, multi uh, polypharmacy conditions, and the practitioners who are calling themselves a naturopath but don't have the training to to provide high level naturopathic care. Uh, making mistakes in the, in amongst that and putting the public at risk, mm. and as a result, putting the profession at risk. Yeah, that's right. So, oh, all right. So, where are we up to in the landscape of Australia? Because I thought this has been going on for a decade. Well, it has been. Well, you know, we had it was one of the, the history behind it is is kind of quite frustrating. We actually had registration in the Northern Territory uh, about thirty years ago, and then that got. Pulled and that's really frustrating. That and partly it was there wasn't enough naturopaths to justify it, but um, in the the Northern Territory, and that's really frustrating. And um, then because then what happened is when the Victorian government, once they implemented the Chinese Medicine Board in Victoria, they then said, okay, we also need to look at naturopaths. So they did a review against a criteria that had been established about twenty years ago. And this particular criteria was set by the government to say, if we're going to have registration, then you need to justify it against the set criteria. And this set criteria has actually been used for this report that was done in, in Victoria. And they evaluated naturopathy as a profession to identify whether or not there was sufficient risk to the public for people to provide naturopathic care without being appropriately qualified and registered. Yep. And the outcome of this report was, yes, that was the case. Now... Um, the next step for the Victorian government would have been to set up something similar to the Chinese medicine um, re- registration board that they had for naturopathy and herbal medicine. But unfortunately, the timing was just not quite right for us and um, what because the national registration scheme started to get set up. And so the Victorian government said, you know what, we're not going to set up our own registration board because it's all being rolled into this national registration scheme. So we're going to take this report and give it to the Council of Australian Governments, where all the state governments come together, and let them roll it up into the national registration scheme. And it's been sitting there ever since. So we've had so, no champion? So we don't have a champion. And what that's what we need. And it's, it's quite frustrating. I mean, if national, this Northern Territory had retained its registration for naturopaths, we would have been wrapped up in the same way that the Chinese, the Chinese medicine profession was. They only had one state that they were registered in, but we would have been able to be pulled in. And so when they set up the national registration scheme, there was three steps. The first was any profession that had national registration were assimilated in. And the second was any profession that had at least one state mm-hmm. was pulled in. Mm-hmm. And the third is to develop the pathway for new professions that were as yet unregistered but needed to be. And we're still there. The, so part of the reason we, we haven't gone anywhere is just bureaucracy. The Health Practitioner Regulation Agency hasn't actually developed these pathways. So, um, But the flip side of that is that you, you can, if you've got a strong enough champion, as you mentioned, you can overcome that bureaucracy. So paramedics had not been assessed against the criteria in the way that naturopaths had. They hadn't been sitting on the table for 10 years the way that naturopaths had. But the, um, one of the state health ministers 
discovered that paramedics were not registered and identified that that was not okay. And so they pushed for it and they've been pushed through the system themselves. So they've actually been bumped up ahead of um, naturopathic registration and we've been, we've been told by certain um, government contacts that whilst naturopaths are still sitting on the table, not dismissed, not being told we're not being registered, but just not really being considered one way or the other, yeah. they've acknowledged that paramedics will be going through um, as soon as they can. So to me, this is where Arona sits perfectly because in my mind, uh, you have your various associations, but you need a lobbying group. And this is where Arona is different. So I'm going to ask you, what's Arona? Well, Arona is the Australian Register of Naturopaths and Herbalists. And in part, it was established in response to this gap, the fact that registration has been acknowledged as being needed and wasn't being enacted by the government. But what we've um, instead, it's an independent and voluntary. It is not government statutory registration. And the only people who are joining, who would join Arona practitioners are voluntary members. But what people often miss, and you've picked up on very well, is that that registration board is only a small part of what it is that Arona does and is doing. So lobbying is part of it. So actively engaging with state ministers as often as we can and you know, as you, you know, in, in whatever channels we have available to us to try and push forward for statutory registration. But we're also developing degree accreditation standards um, and have working with other accreditation and registration bodies internationally to support the transportability of practitioners, people who train in Australia being able to practice elsewhere, people practicing elsewhere being able to come to Australia. Ah. Um, we're also working on a trans-Tasman agreement at the moment with the New Zealand um, colleges and, and associations to, uh, to really shore that particular pathway up because we've got such close ties with New Zealand. And also working with the colleges to try and develop a, uh, a group or a collaboration amongst the colleges so that they're working more cohesively together to just strengthen the education of naturopaths in Australia. Amy, one of the arguments I've heard is that if we go for registration, we'll have to give up so much. And furthermore, we'll have to do further study and we won't be appreciated for our prior expertise. Now, in my mind, this sort of thing is a parallel to what happened with nurses who went through the hospital system, having to upgrade to a degree um, external to the hospital system. It was just something that was that a natural evolution, and they were given a certain period of time, and and it seemed to go hand in hand. Tell me what what that fear is, and what do you think the reality will be? Well, the reality is that the way it works in any profession, and as nurses, midwives, PCM practitioners, this has all happened for all of these guys. Um, is that when registration comes in, they have a grand part parenting period in which they acknowledge that practitioners have trained when there's been different levels of qualifications available. And no one would ever suggest in nursing or midwifery that a practitioner who has been in practice for 40 years and trained in the hospital system has a certificate is less capable or competent as a practitioner than those who are just graduated with a degree. Uh, that would be a completely inappropriate thing to say. And so the reg registration boards acknowledge this. I mean, registration boards are made up 80% by practitioners, so they know their profession. And so the registration boards acknowledge this and they set up grand parenting standards in which there are just uh, pathways in for people with different levels of qualification. And all they need to show, people with degree tra training can show evidence of their degree, but people with other levels of training, and you know, particularly certificate or diploma qualified practitioners have been around for 
10 years or more and, and have been in, in practice or, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, a lot of these practitioners have been around for a long time. As long as they can show that they've been in practice and maintained the recency of practice yeah. and continually attended continu- uh, CPD training and, and education opportunities and have kept themselves up to date, then they are grandparented in and they are kept within that system. So there's not even an expectation that these practitioners upgrade their qualifications so long as they maintain, they show that they've maintained recency of practice and they, they haven't been out of it so long that they've forgotten or they've missed new developments that are actually really important to providing safe and effective care in, in modern times. So, yeah, so it's really got to do with safety, safety and currency. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, in fact, the purpose of registration is not to place value judgments on currently trained practitioners' qualifications at all. It's actually to be as inclusive as possible. And the purpose of registration is to say, identify a profession that needs to be registered and figure out a way of capturing all of those people who rightly and justifiably fit within that profession and then providing um, structure upon which to ensure that they are accountable for their practice. So it's not about trying to exclude practitioners who should be included because by doing so, those practitioners aren't stopped from practicing at all. In fact, they're practicing, continuing to practice under the regulator's eye. And yeah. so that's not what they want. They're trying to capture as many people as possible so that they're part of that group that are held accountable for what they do. Yeah. So do you think there would be any drawbacks to statutory registration for the profession? Look, the main thing that I would say is really there's an additional cost attached to it. And, I mean, and practitioners will complain about Arona's um, registration. We all do. It's <laughs> $150. But I tell you what, it is. it does add more cost. Absolutely it does. It, it is a user-pay system in the sense that the government doesn't fund, really, statutory registration. The profession does. Mm. And so the viability of statutory registration boards and what they do is funded by the members of the profession. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they could be up to $800 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what I think is averaging out for a lot of people. So I think that that would be the, the main drawback. The rest of it is defined by the profession, you know. What we're trained in is defined by the profession. And so what our scope of practice is is defined by the profession. And the board is is made up of the profession. And so people who are found to be at practicing outside of registration standards are being assessed based on the standards that have been developed by the profession. It's all it's all about the profession, really. And, yeah. and the main drawback is that there is an extra cost attached to it, but it's a trade-off for ensuring public safety. And and along that line, I think, you know, one of the things that I hear in the nursing or, or, or in the APRA um, circles, mm-hmm. if you like, is those instances where practitioners are sanctioned. So, for instance, unless it's a, a you know, public menace where that nurse, you know, caused a fire which caused the death of, mm. I can't remember how many people, disgusting behaviour. Mm. Um, but there are many cases where I'm going to say nurses because I know about it, where nurses are sanctioned um, because of unsafe care or because of mm. more, um, more precisely unsafe conduct. Um, or practice, and it may not be affecting somebody else. It may be things like addiction. They're using drugs of addiction um, or stealing drugs of addiction, and so they're sanctioned, but that doesn't necessarily make the media. And so this is one of my arguments for registration is that, and I'm not saying it's a closed book. I'm just saying the things that aren't necessarily um, appropriate to be publicised in the media because it really doesn't matter. It's something that's um, against that practitioner for unsafe conduct. The regulatory body can then take sanctions and not worry about backlash for the profession. Absolutely. And look, I think, you know, the things that 
really kind of escalate. Even if there were issues um, in there, pe- people who've been picked up for for doing the wrong thing, um, who are under the 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 label of being a naturopath. Yeah. Another thing that we talk about with registration as well is that it's proactive and not reactive. Yeah. So, in the, and there's a starting point, you're, you're screening practitioners as they're coming yes. in to ensure that they have the appropriate trainings and ethical conduct and, and clinical care and, and that, those kinds of things to know. So they are aware of their boundaries and they're not making silly mistakes that are inappropriate, but just through not knowing any better. And so you've got that, pro, that screening process, but you also have this infringement approach that you're, you're kind of working towards where it, it, you can pick up minor indiscretions um, along the way, minor transgressions, I should say, along the way, um, where people maybe have done something that they shouldn't have done. It's not caused anyone's death or even major harm, but it has been identified maybe by another practitioner as, hang on, you shouldn't be doing that. Mm -hmm. That's not okay. And so there's a disciplinary response rather than a um, a penalizing response. Mm. And so the response is, okay, there's obviously a gap here in what you understand is okay or not okay in terms of ethical conduct or clinical care or whatever it may be. So we've identified that we're going to provide you, put you under a limited registration banner, make sure you're working with someone who can oversee that whilst you upskill in that particular area and we're confident that you're going to be able to move forward again and practice safely and appropriately. And so there's, and so these minor transgressions wouldn't make the media. They're not particularly interesting. They're not sensational enough. But what, we're, what you're doing in, in doing so is providing support to the profession in a way that, that doesn't completely disregard practitioners who have the capacity to provide good care but might have just been missing a few points along the way that they needed to, to, to brush up on. Yeah, and indeed, you know, converse, I think protecting the profession. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And, um, you know, the... The rates of, of complaints, I mean, we, we get a lot of complaints coming into Arona about practitioners, but um, they're, 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 the thing is at the moment we don't have anywhere for those complaints to go. Yeah. And the HCCC, the Health Complaints Consumer Commission, we only act on the more serious ones. And so the minor transgressions kind of get missed, which gives the opportunity, um, well, not opportunity is the wrong word, but creates a situation where practitioners who are um, undertaking these minor transgressions may extend those without realising that they're causing a problem until it becomes a major problem, then it hits a headline. It ruins a practitioner's career and, and it affects someone's health or, or in, in an un, un, um, inappropriate way. And you know, there's this terrible tragedy that arises that there was potentially opportunities before then to address and, and provide support to the practitioner and um, and keep them well-trained in, in, in the profession. Yeah, so to all intents and purposes, registration is really the safety net for the for the profession. Oh, I, I believe so wholeheartedly, yeah. you know. Um, there's, Arona is a volunteer-run board. Uh, there's no one on the prefer- on the board who gets anything out of it except for the opportunity to spend their own time doing something that they get nothing back for other than... The, um, seeing the advancement and then the, the st- stabilisation and the future of the profession being maintained. Mm. So there's, it's from that point of view, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if I didn't feel wholeheartedly that it was a thing that needed to be done for my profession to be able to exist and grow and develop into all of it, the fullness of its fullness of its potential and, you know, into the future. Otherwise, mm. I, I wouldn't waste my time away from my family and, 
and other things. Mm. I hear, hear you there. Um, one of the questions that I get asked sometimes is how is a lobbying group different from a registration? So I'll frame this up. How is a RONA different from statutory reg- registration? Well, the main thing with us is that, as I said before, we're independent and voluntary. Um, we also have a, um, a group of uh, a extra set of activities that we're undertaking that are slightly more than, than what um, a um, the registration board would undertake. And one of those is lobbying. That's not something that a registration board does at all. And often they will um, outsource things like degree accreditation. They will manage it, but they'll have another board or a body that, that kind of puts it together and then they kind of support whatever that other body does. And so from that point of view, there's there's certain things that we're doing. But having said that, what we've done with Arona is actually, um, whilst we're not held to health practitioner registration, we've written it into our constitution that we follow health, the health practitioner re- registration legislation as if we were bound to it. And um, so we actually are really carefully making decisions. The decisions that we make, uh, the guidelines that we write, the processes that we follow mirror everything that they do in APRA as the way that we can most closely align with that and also in the hope that when statutory registration picks up, it's going to be a very seamless transition for the government. All all the guidelines and policies and processes will already be established. They'll just be able to pick them up and run with them. Okay, so what can current practitioners, real practitioners, do to support registration at the grassroots level though? Well, the main thing really is... Uh, to advocate for and support registration in every opportunity that they come across. Write a letter to the State Health Minister. If you want some help with that, contact Arona. Um, Support Arona as much as you feel you can. Um, Of course, we are encouraging practitioners to join Arona, and part of the reason for that is because one of the criteria that the government looks at for whether or not a practitioner should be, a profession should be registered Mm. is is it possible? And so we and, and is it practical? Yeah. And so by setting up a Rona, we're kind of trying to show that it is possible, it is practical, it can work. Yeah. Um, and so supporting a Rona definitely would uh, is a great opportunity. We're actually setting up another um, option, which is kind of a friends of a Rona situation where people who may not want to join the register might still want to be affiliated in some way. Mm. So we're setting that up as well. But if, if there's anything even outside of that, we're happy to support people who aren't members of ARONA, but if, if they want to get behind advocating for statutory registration. So if you want to write a letter to a state health minister, you've got an opportunity to meet with someone, um, get in contact with us. We'll send you, we'll give you some reports you can take with you. We'll help you form, draft a letter that you can send through. You know, we'll, we'll work with you in whatever way we can because at the moment, it is all volunteer and every extra set of hands will always help. Amy, uh, I wholeheartedly support what Arona and indeed yourself are doing for the profession of naturopathy because it's a really important leap and not a step, a leap that um, the the naturopathic profession has to take to protect both itself and the community in it in general. So I really thank you for your hard work done to date, indeed your colleagues John Wardle as well and and others. Um, So I really thank you for what you're doing for other naturopaths around Australia. Well done. Thank you. Amy, um, forgive me, one more question. Some practitioners around Australia feel that there's no reason to become registered because there is no harm um, from practitioners. So can you comment about this? Because to me there's been a bit of an argument and I don't think it's been answered properly. Absolutely. Look, really, the harm from 
Uh, I, I fully agree that the risk to the public from having appropriately qualified practitioners providing care to the public is minimal. However, the no one could possibly say that if if you're saying your your health treatment options are effective, they also as a result have harm. I mean, people can overdose on picoriza, they can overdose on vitamin A, they can um, you know provide the the you know dietary recommendations that are unsafe. You know, if people have got kidney problems and they put on high protein diets, you know, there are risks associated with providing inappropriate advice. Mm. Uh, and prescriptions. That's not to say that it's inherent that there is um, risk associated with appropriate advice and prescription, however. And so this is exactly why registration is needed. The people who are often arguing that there is no risk are forgetting that it's so that that's the same reason they also want practitioner-only products only available to practitioners because there's a perception of the quality and the strength of the product and that that shouldn't be something people should buy off the, the supermarket shelf. Mm. If that's something that – if there is no risk attached to our products, then who, why do they need to come to the market yes. at all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's – and then really that's, that's what it's about. And I think it's just a, a slight mi- mi- uh, misinterpretation and practitioners – Forget. I think they're scared or, or uh, they're fearful that having a statement of risk uh, will actually undermine the external perception of the profession. And I don't but think I, that's not the case. No, I don't think that's the case at all. Look at what look at what's happened with um, an invasive uh, therapy like acupuncture. They're actually yes. they've got they're afforded greater protection by being being registered. That's right. Absolutely. And really, when it comes down to it, as I said, if if our if our treatments do not contribute some risk if used inappropriately, then we have to question whether or not there's any effectiveness to them at all. And even without the treatments aside, there are other risks that, that, that we call indirect risks mm. in the public health world associated with um, with poor practice, mm. and that would be misdiagnosis or late referral or um, or not, um, you know, not, not, not supporting um, other treatment um, options that, are, that the patient is currently using, for yeah. example. Yeah. So there are things that, again, come down to the practitioner being appropriately trained in what the, the capacity is for their therapies to provide certain outcomes, but also what, they, what they're not really going to get outcomes from. The point where you say, you know what, you're better off going to a chiropractor for your back pain because if you keep coming to me, I can help you with yeah, anti-inflammatories, but I don't know how to do manipulative therapy, mm. so mm. you're better off going to them. So, or, or whether or not it's a case of, you know what, it actually you've lost a lot of weight and you're, you're eating and, and you're not feeling well and, and the, you know, thinking to myself, there's potential um, other major serious conditions here. I need to refer you on to, an, to an, another GP or someone who can check that out. So there's, there's direct risks associated with inappropriate use of the medicines and then there's indirect risks associated with um, inappropriate Appropriate referral practice mm. and um, application of care. Dr. Amy Steele, I, I thank you for taking us through these such important aspects of hopefully registering naturopathy in Australia and being able to enjoy the protection to both industry and public that indeed some states in the USA, for instance, have. Um, So I I really thank you for taking us through that and also for dispelling some of the myths that seem to be propagated around, you know, certain social media circles. So well done for that. Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate the time and um, the support of so many of the profession over um, 
all the work that we've been doing at Arona. This is FX Medicine, and I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Mm-hmm.